When I was a youth pastor, uh, it was told to me that, that teeping my home was a sign of affection and love. Um, I'm not sure uh, about that, but it happened a lot. Um, the thing is, is that I became very notorious for catching people in the act of teeping our home. And so on one particular occasion, we had someone who, uh, a whole group of someone's, and this was not just students, this was also some of their leaders, and uh, I, I won't name any names, but there are some of you that are here. Um, some of you that were students are now adults, and you have kids, and I can't wait till your house gets teepeed. Um, maybe I'll come and do it. Uh, but, but anyway, um, there, is, there, there, there was this group, and they were, they were uh, doing the front of our house, and um, I heard it, and I woke up, and I snuck out the back of the house, and I went around the block, and I went and sat on my neighbor's front stoop and watched. And, uh, and they were doing their thing, and they were doing a great job. Uh, and, uh, and then I called my wife, because cell phones had just became a, a real thing, and we were pretty excited about that. I called her, and I said, all right, and, and, and you count to three, and then turn the lights on. And so she did. And they scattered like mice. They scattered like ants, whatever. They scattered. And, uh, but what I knew was that they were going to run across the street and they were going to run to my neighbor's yard. And so it was awesome. They did. And they're all standing there looking at their masterpiece. And I walk up behind them and I'm just standing there with them. And I go, wow, you guys did an amazing job. Freaked them out. It was awesome. It was so incredible. I wish you could have been there. Scared the living daylights out of them. I, I, it was so awesome. And uh, I said, you know, you did such a great job, but now you get to clean it up. And then I sat there and watched them pick up every stinking piece of everything that they had put in my yard. And I mean, I got forked, I got sporked, I got everything in the yard as well as teepee up in the, that's affection, I don't know, I guess I was greatly loved. But anyway, um, they got in trouble and I loved it uh, because I caught them. And uh, I could share with you many, many more stories of times where that happened and uh, even times where I took students and we did it. Um, and, uh, but you know what? Here's what I know about trouble and mischief. Um, how many of you uh, would say you know someone or you are someone who oftentimes, as a young person, got into trouble or mischief? Just raise your hands. Come on, y'all. Be honest. Let's just, let's just be honest here. It's church. Um, Here's what I know about trouble and what I know about mischief is that rarely, I mean, it may have been fun. It may have been great at the time, but rarely does it ever turn out good. Does it ever turn out for the better? And actually, being a troublemaker or being someone that, that is mischievous or has a mischief thing going on in their life you need to understand something. My dad always used to say to me, and, and, and so understand, I heard this a lot because I was one of those kids that did a lot of mischief. Um, he would always say, be sure your sin will what? Find you out. 
Be sure your sin will find you out. How many of y'all have heard that before? Or it was told to you before? Okay. Be sure your sin will find you out. Proverbs 11, verse 27. Check this out. The one who searches for what is good finds favor. That word favor is grace. That word favor is peace. The one who searches for what is good finds favor, but if someone looks for trouble, check it out, if they look for trouble, it will come to him. They're not finding trouble, it's coming to them. So, so here's a question that I think you need to ask yourself, especially as we turn to Matthew 5 and again look at these Beatitudes. Am I a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Am I a troublemaker or a peacemaker? If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Today we're going to look at verse 9. And as we continue in these Beatitudes, remember Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching those who are following him. Here is the core values of my kingdom. Here's what it's like to follow me. Here's the attitudes you need to follow me. Here's what it's going to be like to interact with other people. Here are the things that are vital to you being a part of following after me. And Jesus says to them, Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is very interesting, because if you think about the context, these people have been looking for a Messiah, a deliverer, a savior who would come and would do something that they all wanted. And that was, they thought and believed that the Messiah would come and this Messiah would, would deliver them, would save them from the tyranny of the Roman government. And they didn't want a peacemaker. They wanted a troublemaker. They wanted someone who was going to come and start a revolution. They were, they were wanting someone to come who was going to make trouble for Rome, and, and Rome was going to do just like what had happened back in Egypt. The Egyptian pharaoh was going to let them go, and that Rome was going to let them go, and they were going to be able to live in peace. And Jesus says to them, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I can just see Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot, who's one of the guys that Jesus appointed as apostle. Simon the Zealot, a zealot, is someone who in that time wanted and would use any available force in order to do something evil, do something harmful to anyone who opposed them. And they would call for violence. They would call for action. They would call for stirring up trouble. And I can just see Simon the Zealot sitting there going, No! I mean, because he had, he had thought, I'm signing up with Jesus because I want a revolution. Not a relationship. I want a revolution. And he hears Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. And I can just imagine him saying that. Oh, my word. I can't believe what I've gotten into. I love, I love what, if you have not watched, you should, um, the, uh, the Chosen, incredible stuff. 
Season three, I think it is, and this is not a, uh, this, listen, if you've read the Bible, watching The Chosen, everything in it is a spoiler alert. You already know. Um, so, so, so the thing about this is, is that Jesus sends out his disciples two by two, right? Well, in The Chosen, in season three, he sends them out two by two. And you know who, what two he put together? Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. That was not an accident. I think he did that. Honestly, the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us that that's what he did, but I would not be surprised if that's what Jesus did. Because guess what? Jesus is all about bringing reconciliation. Jesus is about mending relationships. And so you got Simon the Zealot who hates the Roman government, and you got Matthew the tax collector who is an agent of the Roman government. And these two, Jesus puts together and says, all right, guys, you're going to get to go out and serve me. Figure out your stuff and then serve me faithfully. And I don't doubt, any doubt, that that's what happened. And so here we have Jesus saying to these individuals, blessed are the peacemakers. That word peace, that word peace is a word that many of you, I'm sure, have heard in the original Hebrew. It is shalom, shalom. What, what is that peace? That peace is never about a negative state. It is never about the absence of trouble. It is about Peace that everything which makes for a person's highest good. It is not the absence of something bad, rather it is the presence of something good. The word shalom is a state of wholeness and harmony that is intended to resonate in all relationships. When used as a greeting, shalom has a wish for outward freedom from disturbance as well as inward sense of well-being. This word is used, get this, over 400 times in the Word of God. 400 times it's used in the Bible. What's that mean? That means it is a, it is a underlining current of the big story of God is peace. Peace. Shalom. What God's desire is, is for us to have shalom in our inner being, but also in our lives as a whole. The question that I would ask is this, can that peace be a reality apart from God? Can that peace be something that I experience in my soul apart from God? Can that peace be a peace that I experience in my life apart from God? The answer is no. The Bible makes it absolutely clear that there is no real peace apart from God. Even Isaiah, as he's introducing Jesus, and this is hundreds of years before Jesus is going to come on the scene, as he's introducing Jesus, he says, "For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Shalom. Prince of Shalom. And so then when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, on the night of his birth, the angels proclaim the good news to the shepherds, again emphasizing the peace that Christ would bring. Glory to God in the highest, they said. And on earth, peace, shalom, good will toward men. Can you have peace 
real peace, shalom, apart from Jesus Christ? The answer, no. No, you can't. And this world will never have peace. This world will never know peace. This world will never cease to have conflict because it does not and will not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, Peace, shalom, I leave with you. My peace, my shalom, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I don't know about y'all, but I am so glad that the peace that Jesus gives me is not the same as what the world offers. Because what the world offers is not peace at all. It's a false peace, a pseudo peace. It's not real. There's no depth to it. It's, it's absolutely trivial. And the peace that this world offers, and what does the world tell us that we need to have peace? Just do what you want. Live how you want. Be whatever you want. You, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, with whomever you want. Just do what you want to do. You have to have money. You have to have power. You have to have prestige. You have to have fame. You have to have all of these things. Then you'll have peace. What's amazing to me is people that have all of those things, what are they not at? Peace. They don't have peace. They're always looking for another thing. They're always looking for more. Even, I said this, I mean, several months ago, I remember talking about Tom Brady, who, who has it all. The greatest, maybe the greatest NFL player ever said, you know what, there, this is, there's got to be more to life than this. He's not even at peace. There's no peace apart from God. But the world says, oh yeah, there's peace. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Peace, God's peace, shalom, is what God has given us through his son, Jesus. If you would, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what the Bible says, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Think about that. That's not what the world tells us. That's not what the world says is the recipe for peace. But Jesus says, listen, I gave my life so that you no longer have to live for yourself, but you can live for me because I died for you and I rose again. What, a, what an amazing thing that you and I can experience the peace of God in our soul and in our life because of what Jesus Christ has done. Not because of what I do. Not because of what you do. Not, not because of, of somehow if we do enough religious things that we'll earn the right to have that peace. No, we get that peace as a gift from God because Jesus gave his life and died for us and rose again so that I can have shalom, so that I can have peace in my soul. Do you know that peace? Do you have that peace? 
Are you experiencing that peace? Because if you are, then you're called to be something beyond yourself. Look at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled, in other words, brought two opposing sides together and brought them together and mended them together. Why did he do that? He did that because he loves us, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, check this out, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of peace. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. This next verse, think about how awesome this is in your life. Not counting your sin against you. And entrusting to you the message of reconciliation, the message of peace. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What an awesome God we have. What an amazing Savior that he offers to us, and he creates a bridge of peace to God that is through him, and it's only by him. And the beauty is is that you and I can know that peace, and we can live that out in our lives. Psalm 34, verse 14, turn from evil. Do good, seek peace, and pursue it. Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You and I are called to be peacemakers. Notice it doesn't say peacekeepers. It doesn't say peace lovers. It says peacemakers. That word make in, in that word maker in the in the original language is so so strong. It is a strong and a difficult word because it literally means to do or to create. To have and to be a peacekeeper or a peacemaker, we must be actively making peace because it will not ever happen by chance. It will not happen by chance. Think about it. Left to ourselves, we drift toward trouble. We drift toward mischief. We drift toward divisiveness. We drift toward what's negative. You don't believe me? Look at the Bible. All the way back to Genesis. In the Garden of Eden, God said to them, it was a perfect, a perfect setting. They had perfect relationship with one another. They had perfect relationship with God. And what did God say to them? You can eat of every single tree in this garden except one. Except one. The knowledge tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat from that. You know what the other what was the other tree that was in the garden? The tree of life. The tree of life. They had every availability and right to eat from that tree. God told them to. And what did they choose to do? They did not choose life. 
they chose death. And they chose to disobey God and sin entered into the world and it's messed us up ever since. To you and I, we naturally shift, we naturally drift toward trouble. Peacemaking is messy work. And oftentimes, it's resented and resisted. Again, don't believe me? What'd they do to Jesus? What happened to Jesus? He died. You're like, dude, you're not motivating me here uh, to make peace. Gee, I wonder if we, if we could sit down and interview Jesus, I wonder if he would say it was worth it. Was it worth it to go through all that you went through, Jesus? Was it worth it to die on a cross? Do you know why I know it's worth it? Because he rose again. He rose again and is alive today. And he's transforming lives to this very day, to this very moment, to this very time. It was worth it. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you may be resented. But peace must be pursued until we have it and then guarded so we don't lose it. A peacemaker does what it takes to establish and maintain peace. Instead of escalating conflict, this person works to extinguish tension and usher in peace. Troublemakers, you need to listen to this. Romans 16, 17 through 18, Paul writes this, and he says, I urge you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. Such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Interesting, I love what Warren Wiersbe says. The troublemaker throws stones. The peacemaker builds a bridge out of those stones. What's interesting is is that what Jesus says is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What's he talking about there? Well, think about it for a minute. If you're called a son of God, there's something that that he's alluding to, and it's the idea of family resemblance. Family resemblance. Think about this for just a minute. Who is the son of God? Jesus. Jesus is the prince of peace. And he comes to make peace with us, and he gives to us his peace. And if you and I are peacemakers, then who are we reflecting? Who are we resembling? We're resembling Jesus. And if we're resembling Jesus, then we're resembling God. And guess what? If we're living as peacemakers, then we are sons of God because we resemble the one true living God. And this world desperately needs people who are willing to resemble the one true living God. And when we resemble the one true living God, what happens is we're taking on his characteristics. I remember my daughters when they were young, 
People would say to them, oh, you look like your dad. That is the worst possible thing you could tell a girl. Like, I'm so glad they've grown out of that and they're looking like their mama more every day and I'm so, so thankful for that. Look like your dad, no. I'm really glad he, they can say that to him over there. You look like your dad, that's cool. He's, he's a dude, that's all right. But, but, but think about this, family resemblance. The more we strive to make peace, the more we become and look like God. We don't, we're not God, don't get me wrong. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. Somehow we become God. No, that's not it. We take on his characteristics. There's a family resemblance. When we strive to help others find peace, when we strive to make peace, we reflect God. So, so here's a question. The question I asked earlier, am I a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Am I a troublemaker or a peacemaker? How can I be a peacemaker? Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to strive to be a peacemaker. Well, you know, you know what you need to do is think back. Number one, you need to think back, do I even know Jesus? Because here's the thing. You will never be a peacemaker if you do not know Jesus. No way, no how. There is no way possible for you to be a peacemaker if you do not know Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you put your, your faith in... I'm not asking you to start a religion. I'm asking you to begin a relationship with a person, Jesus, who loves you and gave his life for you and wants you to experience peace in your heart. Do you know him? Think back through the Beatitudes. These attitudes are attitudes of our soul. These attitudes are attitudes that come out in our lives as a result of the condition of our soul. They are who I be. Remember, being is, is indicative to what I'm going to do. Being who I be is going to have a massive influence on what I do. So are these things evident in your life? Are these realities that you're striving for in your life? And then ask this question, are my words, are my actions, are my reactions those of a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Let's go back to Warren's quote. The troublemaker throws stones. The peacemaker builds a bridge out of those stones. Here's a stone from my office. It's even nice. It's got a verse on it. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. There's a nice little lighthouse on it. If I took this stone and I decided to hurl it at one of y'all, how do you think that's going to feel? What kind of impact is that going to have? Good? You know, I know it's not going to be good. You know why I know? Because when I was a kid, I triple dog dared my brother to throw a stone at me. That was stupid. Because he did. He threw a stone at me, and it hit me in the face, and it, and it opened up my face right below my eye, and knocked two of my teeth, like, 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 broke off two of my teeth in my mouth. That was one little stone. Y'all... A troublemaker throws stones, truth stones even. 
and it looks all shiny and nice and pretty, I don't care what it looks like, it'll still hurt when it hits. And it's not going to hit and hurt in a good way like we think it will. And let me ask you a question. Which is easier, throw stones or build a bridge? It's easier to throw a stone. It's easier to be a peace breaker or a peace faker than it is to be a peacemaker. And God's calling us to be peacemakers, not not throw stones. And and you know what? I, I think I remember reading somewhere where someone said, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. You throw the first stone. But, but what would we do? We, we throw stones at, at individuals that we don't agree with or that we don't see eye to eye with or that we think are, are doing something wrong or living in a wrong way, and we throw stones at them thinking somehow that's going to impact them in a good way. Oh, I'm on a computer. Oh, oh, man. Oh, I'm going to type this. Send. Stone thrown. Oh, look at that. I'm going to like that post, and I'm going to repost it. Stone sent. Y'all, we, we throw stones. You, you, you want to, for me to give you just an illustration of, of that? Okay. Just this past week, all week long, I don't care if you agree with him or not. President Biden, how many of you throw a stone at him all week long and how many of us got on our knees and prayed for the man all week long? Don't raise your hand and don't look at anybody else. Think about yourself. How many of us, we, we read something and it was about a lifestyle or something else that we think is, is off, and we decided, you know what, I'm going to pitch a stone at that. Man, I, here's what I know. You know who said you who are without sin cast the first stone? It was Jesus. And you know who he was defending? A woman who was caught in adultery. Now, I'm not for one moment saying that we shouldn't share truth. I'm not for one moment saying that, that somehow we, we are to compromise what we believe. That, that's not it. But if we think that throwing stones is going to be the way that we're going to change the world, we're messed up in our heads. We're messed up in our methods. Because the church in the West has been throwing way too many stones for way too long. And guess what? It is not having the effect that we think it ought to have. It actually is backfiring on us to where people are saying, you know what? I don't even want to go to church if it's full of people that live like you. I'd rather sit in a bar with a whole bunch of individuals who can identify with me and talk to me and care for me, even though they may not, and I still feel like I actually belong there. That's where I'd rather be. I'm not going to church. That's what stone throwing has caused, is that individuals are looking at us going, why would I ever want to live like that? Why would I ever want to be associated with that? It's easy to pick up a stone and throw it and expect something to happen. What's going to happen is they're going to be hurt. They're going to be marred. They're going to have teeth broken out. They're going to have their face gashed. And we do nothing about that except to throw a stone out there. That's ridiculous. And that cannot be what we as followers of Christ are doing. No, it takes work. 
Notice what Warren said. The peacemaker builds a bridge out of those stones, which takes work. Building a bridge takes work. But you know what it does? Is it connects two sides and it gives for the opportunity to build relationship and it gives for the opportunity to speak truth into somebody's life and it gives for the opportunity to be able to connect with another human being and hear what is your story. Because like we talked about a few weeks ago, every single person that's struggling with something in their life or choosing an avenue in their life, they have a story that's behind that. And if you and I don't want to take the time to get to know their story, then all we're doing is throwing stones. We have got to be bridge builders. We have got to be the kind of people that are like Jesus, who took the time to get to know an individual, build relational equity that, with that individual, and have the ability to speak into their life because he, he earned the right to be heard. And, and, I, I, and you know what? You can come to me and go, well, he didn't do that with the Pharisees. Yes, he did. If you study the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, guess what Jesus did? He built relationships with the Pharisees. And he built relationships with them for the purpose of them being able to hear the truth, for him to be able to relationally connect with them. Did they accept it? No. Did many of them reject it? Yes. Did some say yes? Yeah. Some did. But I guarantee you, if all we're going to do is throw stones at people, it is not going to work out in our favor. In essence, what we really are is not a peacemaker. We're a troublemaker. That's what we are. If we think that throwing stones of truth out into, a, out into this world is going to make an impact that's good, all we are is a troublemaker and not a peacemaker. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. And don't you walk out of here going, well, our pastor thinks that we should build bridges and that's just compromising the truth and he's not really talking about sharing truth with them. I am not talking about that at all. Did Jesus share truth with people? Absolutely. But you know what? That wasn't his first go-to. That wasn't his first go-to. I mean, you can re read the life of Jesus. Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I got a truth for you. Actually, I'm going to throw a stone at you and knock you out of the tree. No. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I I'm, I'm going to come to your house for lunch today. Let's have lunch. Man, I, I suppose what happened over that, we don't have the details of, of all what they talked about, but what we do know is that they, they had lunch together. And Zacchaeus surrendered his life. God changed him. You and I aren't God, I know that. But man, the power of building a bridge is so much greater than the power of throwing a stone. Are you a troublemaker or are you a peacemaker? I'm going to ask you, would just close your eyes, bow your head.
Aaron and Leah are going to come lead in a song of blessing. I don't, I don't know where you're at in all this, and I don't need to know, but there's going to be people up here at the front. There's going to be people at the back. The purpose for us is to pray with you. So if you're here and you're going, you know what, I need Jesus. That's what we're up here for. You're going, I, I need to pray with somebody. Maybe God is laying across your mind a person that you've been throwing stones at, a group of people you've been throwing stones at. And listen, this is, I'm, I know that this is not just for one side or the other. We like to choose sides in our culture. I'm not talking about one side or another. I'm talking about all of us as human beings. We all throw stones. And what I'm saying is we need to lay our stones down and we need to take those stones and build a bridge. Many of them, if need be. Listen, I don't, I don't know about you, but what I'm, I'm also thinking, in the first service, it hit me so hard when they were singing this song, that maybe the person that I'm throwing stones at is myself. And I've been nailing myself stone after stone after stone. And I need to lay those stones down and ask the Father to heal my soul and cause me to stop throwing stones at myself. That may be the very thing that's keeping you from moving forward with Him. Is you're beating yourself up. You keep pelting yourself with rocks. What you need to do is lay those down and say, God, wrap your arms around a love, your love around me and help me to sense your love and help me to sense your grace and help me to be merciful even to myself because you are gracious toward me. You are merciful toward me. You are faithful toward me. And I want to be like you toward me. I don't know. I don't know. God, give us a second chance. God, give us the ability to put down our stones to make a bridge. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts this morning in a way that only you could. God, as we sing this song, as we think about your truth, we ask you to speak to our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Help us to listen and to hear it.